Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lina. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer, Season 2, Episode 15, Deceptive Little Parasite. Do you know what I love? That you get to say the names that I don't want to say. The ones that are mouthful. It was the same thing with, uh, what was it, two episodes ago? Stewardess Interrupters, the episode I hated. Yeah, yeah. And you got to say the name and I don't have to. Also, I have to say, I think it's going to be more entertaining to listen to me rage about an episode than it's going to be to listen about this episode because I'm utterly indifferent to this episode. It's not good. It's not bad. It was okay to watch. I have some fun things, but all in all, I'm sure I'll find ways to make you love it more. Or find ways to make it entertaining for our poor, poor listeners. (laughs) So apology in advance. It also reflects, as usual, in my summary, because today's episode, we return to a very classic episode style with blatant projection and personal involvement into the weekly murder by both Lucifer and Chloe with an average story, but some more than average mace moments. We also gain some metaplot relevant insights that make curious for more. Also, the title is the same in German, just translated. Okay, let's see about the obsession of the week. I have called emotions to be the obsession. Because as much as my emotions, most of the episode were not very engaged, I think the point of this episode for Lucifer is definitely to learn to control his emotions. I fully agree. It is definitely controlling emotions. Not just for him, but also a bit with Trixie and with Chloe and also maybe even with Mom. Yeah, we don't, we're not really sure what's happening there until the very, very end. Yeah, but she's trying very hard to hide everything. So I'm completely in agreement with you. Controlling emotions, definitely our obsession. We also, non-surprisingly, have the episode name said once again by Lucifer, which puts us 14 out of 15. There are only three more episodes in this season. So let's see how the end score is for Lucifer. Also, this episode was written by two people, both of them return co-writers. So both of them have co-written before. Mike Costa co-wrote Pops in season one, episode 10, and he self-wrote season two, episode nine, Homewrecker. That's the one where Lucifer nearly loses Lux, which is actually quite good. So my judgment on him is write by himself, yay, co-write, no. He also, by the way, is uh, one of the regular story editors for Lucifer. So I'm going to give him more props on this one. And the other co-writer for this episode is Julia Fontana, who only co-wrote one episode so far. And since she wrote it with Ildi, I can't really judge her capabilities. It was episode 10 in season two, Quit Pro Ho. Okay. Anything else on the fun and fact No, of course not. Fun and fucked fronts. FFF. Uh, Hey, it's entertaining in my head. Obviously, no more facts and funs because this episode. (laughs) You're being mean. I'm trying to be entertaining. (laughs) What we do have, though, is previously on Lucifer. I honestly love it more every single time you do it. Lucifer upped and left for two weeks, came back with a wife Candy, Ames makes mom doubt if it's just a ploy, Chloe has leftover feelings for Lucy, he is helping her change her mind about that, mom admits to herself that it's all her fault, Candy actually was a part of a ploy, and Azrael's blade is a flaming sword which can cut through gates of heaven. And is their way back home, which I still don't understand. Well, clearly there is a direct path. Yes. 
between Earth and the gates of heaven. And the only reason why humans don't go through there is because the gates of heaven are closed. And since Lucifer is gonna cut through them, that clearly means that it's their way to get home, right? If you say so. Skeptical Lena is very skeptical. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure once we get the sword working, it's gonna be interesting how they actually get to the doors because, as I said, Skeptical Lena is skeptical. Yeah, I'm putting my money on Mother to have a way to get there. Maybe she's just throwing them at the gate. Maybe, she's very strong. So, we get into the episode and we start in the penthouse. Basically, it seems very seamless from the last episode, right? Well, there was definitely some time in between. We don't really know how much. Not necessarily much time. Because the last episode ended with Candy getting into the car. And clearly, Lucifer, in the meantime, managed to get his marriage annulled. So, it can be straight away. But very possibly, it was very close on the timeline. And so, Mom explains everything that she had told Lucifer at the end of last episode with Ezra's blade being the flaming sword, yadi yadi, to Amenadiel. And then Lucifer goes like, okay, okay, I'm gonna get the blade. And he just punches into the wall and I love it. It's such a smart way to hide the blade. It's so good. But the other question is, what else is in that wall? Do you really think there's something else in there? I would not be surprised. That sounds like a great hiding spot. If he hid something else there, then I would not expect him to show mom and Amenadiel that he has this hiding place. Because now it's burnt basically, because now they know it exists. Well, it's a wall so I feel like hiding other things in there and reverse psychology. If he shows them, oh, this is the place where I hid this one specific thing and they're like, oh, there's definitely not gonna be anything else in there because, you know, he already showed us that he hides stuff there. So isn't that the best place to hide shit? Unless you think about it exactly in that way and then you already know that this is the perfect spot to look for it and since he knows that they think like that, he's especially not gonna put anything else there. But I guess we'll only know in the future. I have another question. So full of questions. Go on. Why would Lucifer be the only one who's able to ignite the blade? Because he's the lightbringer. But he did not wield this sword before and the flaming sword is what was... No, 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 no. It was his blade. And then his father took it and destroyed it according to what he said. So Lucifer can use it against him during the rebellion. So you think inside the Lucifer lore, the flaming sword was Lucifer's sword? I think so. Hmm. Okay. I did not catch that but that would make sense then which would also mean that he was the one protecting eden yeah it would make a certain sense and then my other questions are obsolete so let's move on to the next scene uh before we move on to the next scene i just wanted to point out the whole situation where lucifer is getting extremely frustrated with the rest of his family and he starts throwing these jokes, which I really enjoyed. Like, but it's so small and not flaming. Are you sure it's the flaming sword? And then the whole whiskey plan is great. And when Emenadiel is trying to punch Lucifer to make him angry is hilarious. I just found this whole scene being really, really funny. Since I have so many questions in this scene, I was more obsessed with questions than enjoyment. But yeah, I enjoyed Emenadiel punching Lucifer in the face and then him thrusting the blade into Emenadiel's hand to 
kick him in the balls, I think. And it was just very, very brotherly love, you know. So we can see the dynamics between them changing a little bit from Amenadiel getting slightly off his high horse and actually seeing maybe the relationship they used to have before Lucifer went to hell back when they were growing up. There's a shadow of actual sibling interaction there, as anyone who has a sibling knows. And there's gonna be more of it throughout the episode, so I really enjoyed that. But yeah, the next scene is in Linda's office. Yay, therapy! Therapy! Before we actually get into the therapy, Linda has like a zillion questions about the gates of heaven. And I am so with her. I have so many questions about heaven. How does it look like? Does the silver city mean that it's actually made out of silver? What about the gates? Are they also silver or are they golden? Is it just silver because it's shiny? Tell me. Tell me everything about heaven because we've seen hell. But heaven is a big unknown for us. My main question about heaven is, does it have a floor? Yeah, that's a good Good question. Because all the angels have wings, you know? I don't know if souls need to have wings when they get into heaven. Is it in clouds? So my main question is, does heaven have a floor? That's a great question. We should put it on our question list. All the questions Linda has lead, of course, to a sarcastic statement by Lucifer, which sarcasm doesn't count as lying, obviously, then. Because he says, and Morgan Freeman is my dad, which obviously is a lie. But since it's a sarcastic statement, it's not considered a lie, right? It's called a joke. (laughs) I don't think that sarcasm counts as lying. Okay. Also, did you notice he did not answer a single question Linda asked? He's very withholding with her. Which is surprising because in the beginning when she got over the whole problem with him being the actual devil, he was actually like, okay, I'm gonna answer all your questions. Because I think that at the beginning he was just trying to kind of convince her that everything is okay. Maybe her... previous questions were all about hell so he was more forthcoming but he doesn't want to talk about heaven. Honestly I think he's just way too preoccupied with his own issues right now to be answering any questions. Do you mean to tell me I'm interpreting too much and too deeply into this short scene? Yes. However could that be possible? (laughs) I mean I'm as surprised as you are. As usual Linda closes this scene as the best therapist that is when she says you have a lot of walls up if you are not willing to bring those walls down I cannot help you and that is very true not just in the show but also in actual real life therapy can only help you if you are willing to open up I do have a tiny little question that might actually get answered by the end of the episode. We're not even three scenes in and all of our talking points have been questions. I love it. We've also been recording for almost an hour. 40 minutes, bitch. That's not an hour. I said almost. However, at this moment, I was surprised that Lucifer is willing to help mom with the plan and that he's so willing to wield the flaming sword and make it work because only two episodes ago we saw him refusing to be part of his parental related bullshit and remove himself from the situation and suddenly he is spying on his mom, getting the story out, trying to figure out how to light the sword. And I just wasn't sure what was happening there. For me, it made perfect sense because at the end of the last episode with Candy, it became obvious that he was using the ploy with Candy to get mom to open up and share her plan, her actual plan. Yeah, but now he's trying to do her bidding. For me, this is just a continuation of his ploy with her. So when he tells later on what his actual plan is, I was 
was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I was pretty sure that he was still playing her. Okay, I can live with that for now anyway. I'm pretty sure that it gets answered later on in this episode anyway. So we can move on to the apartment. Do we have a name for Chloe and Maze's home? I just call it the apartment. What was it, Glaze? Glaze is the name of the ship. Like Glaze, but with a CH. We finally get our first song of the episode. Which is kind of late. Yeah, well, we had a dramatic situation happening in the first two scenes, so... The name of the song is Who Are You? And it's by Spring King. And it's the song that plays in Maze's headphones. And this scene contains one of my favorite gifts out of the entire series. So, go Maze. Pretending to listen, but not actually listening. It actually goes with Maze making the face and just like nodding and pretending. And underneath it just says, pretends to be listening. And then there's another one which says, still pretends to be listening. I just love it. I'm pretty sure I've used it on our Twitter before, but I'm gonna post both of these GIFs with the episode posts that we do on Mondays and Wednesdays. What I found a bit surprising is that Chloe is still that distracted by Lucifer's behavior. I mean, she still has feelings for him. It just doesn't go away this quickly. Yeah, but usually... How do I phrase this without upsetting Chloe fans even more than usual? Yeah, I do wonder. So far, Chloe has not struck me as the most sensitive of a person. So I did not expect her to dwell like this on the issue, even though the feelings are still there. What I think is happening here is you have people who are not very much in touch with their emotions, which I think Chloe definitely is one of these people. And if people like that allow themselves and admit to themselves that they have feelings, which is what she did, it's very difficult to let that go. And it takes a long time. You mean once you open the box with the feelings, it's hard to get it closed again? Yes. Ah. Okay, I can understand and I can very well live with that. But I agree completely with you, Maze trying to pretend to care is superiorly well done. It's one of the best bits in the entire episode. But she genuinely wants to care. I feel like she's at least genuinely trying to pretend to care. Yeah, I think that at this stage her relationship with Chloe is strong enough from her side to want to be there for her. The fact that she's not able to do that is a different story. But I'm also very much with Maze that this is not her usual thing. Emotions. Blech. And while I understand that Chloe is not happy with Mace in this moment, she kind of shouldn't be really surprised. Because she also knows Mace a bit now. But I'm here for it. I love the progress, especially later in the episode. This is really, really well done. Brownie point for this episode. Which is, like I said, it's surprising because it has several very good moments. Still doesn't lift it over the eh, level. However, we get a little bit of a information dump in this moment about Lucifer's and Candace's marriage being annulled. Which, thank you for not giving it too much time. And thank you for giving me an understandable outcome of this situation. Because I was actually wondering how they're going to explain the fact that Lucifer is married for the rest of the series. I was not surprised that I think it was smoothly enough done to give us the exposition in just one sentence. But we move on to the murder scene. And I love the fact that, yes, Lucifer and Chloe are now both divorcees. Yay! They have something in common! 
Yes, also he got her coffee with no vodka this time. Which for Lucifer, impressive. I know, he really tries. As we are used to, Ella is perfect. I love that Ella describes the murder weapon as a fat knife. Yes, scissors are a fat knife. Definitely, and from now on I shall refer to scissors as fat knife. Exactly, let's. It's just perfect, I love it. I do have a tiny bit of an issue in this scene. With Lucifer being so preoccupied occupied with himself and with his own emotions and with his own bullshit. He does a thing that I am not a fan of. Oh, so you have the same note as I do. Nice. That's a victim blaming. Exactly. He's victim blaming the stiff. Yeah. He says she provoked someone to kill her, which... Again, I understand that he is in the middle of projection and whatever, but this is not what we say. And usually Lucifer is extremely good with this kind of thing. In several episodes, he has called out others for non-correct phrasing and behavior in that direction. So I was not a happy camper and I have the exact same note. I think that it just shows how far gone into his own bullshit he is right now that his head I blame the writing for this one because Lucifer is always projecting but usually it's better done okay I have my own point of view on that but I love to excuse everything at any time especially if I love it Speaking of if I love it, I love that Chloe is explicitly calling him out on projecting. Yeah, she is being a bit of a ass in this scene. But also rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the moment where a show gets self-conscious and it's not overdone so you can enjoy it. It's one of those moments. However, another amazing moment in this scene is... Ella, who is absolutely incapable of reading the room ever, which is one of the reasons why we love her. But when she finishes her speech, staring at Lucifer, pointing at her head, saying, lot of darkness up there. And Lucifer likes that. And I like it too. Tell me more. I have the same note, but with the focus that I love the fact that Ella is in therapy and so open and positive about it. And it just is another confirmation or another repetition of this show is actually extremely therapy positive. I love it and I really appreciate the normalizing effect things like this have. Yay! Happy Lena! Happy Lena! So we move on to Starford, which I hate the name. I hate everything about this place. I hate the headmaster and I hate everything he says. Yes! I was watching Lucifer at the beginning of the scene and as they are walking alongside of the headmaster or assistant dean or whatever they call this guy. They call him assistant dean later in the episode, but the actor list lists the actor as headmaster without a name. Okay, headmaster, anyway. So as they walk along with him, you see Chloe being genuinely interested in what the guy has to say, and Lucifer is interested for about half a second, and then he just gives you kind of the look like, um, I'm just gonna look at my phone, and he just takes his phone out of his pocket and starts staring at his phone, which is typical Lucifer, but it's just so seamless. 
I mean, I know that we say it quite often, but I feel like I haven't said it in a while. Tom Ellis is just such a good actor in this episode in particular. And this is one of the little tiny seamless moments where I noticed, even though it was not anything extremely emotional or whatever is going to be coming later. Or even in the focus. Yeah. It's just the little seamless bits and pieces in the behind. In the behind? In the behind. I am standing by what I said that make me interested. The behind makes me interested. Especially Tom's behind, yes. Especially when it comes to Tom Ellis. We get our title card in classic Lucifer fashion because this episode is extremely classic Lucifer. We stay in the same scene and we now stand beneath the school motto, which is Sentio Ergo Sum. I stopped the episode and I translated it for myself and then they say it and I was so proud of myself that I speak Latin. I don't speak Latin. I understand Latin. I was proud of myself. I stopped the episode. I wrote down the relevant information to where this motto is obviously taken from, yada yada. I wrote down the accurate translation for Sentio Ergo Sum and then I continued the episode and then Lucifer says what it actually means. I'm like, bitch, please. I was impressed, as I often am, by Chloe's police capabilities because she plays the headmaster so smoothly and I like it when they make her competent. And you know what my expectation was after this scene? To see Lucifer sit in a classroom full of children as one of the kids. I'm a bit disappointed that this is not what we get in the end. I mean, we get something that's very close to it. Yes, but I did not think that he had to bring a child. So I was thinking that he would enroll in this school. (laughs) That would have been hilarious. I myself called this an utter bullshit at this stage the whole school and I made a guess at this moment I didn't even realize that I guessed it right she was probably <laughs> killed off in a rage by their school therapist or something is what I have written down very well done Vero right because that's literally the last person you would expect in theory if you didn't watch a zillion hours of crime television and one more note that I have on this scene specifically is Lucifer's eyeliner is off the charts. It's so thick. This would be accurate then with my assumption that his eyeliner functions as a mask. So more distort and emotionally unstable he is and distanced, more eyeliner he is wearing. I'm pretty sure, yeah. We're gonna keep our eye on that. Yeah. Eyeliner watch. Eyeliner watch. Eyeliner, eyeliner, eyeliner watch. I apologize for the inconvenience. Hey, I think this is the best jingle that I have done since episode one. So, how dare you? What did I do for the devil in the detail last time? Oh, God. <laughs> So yeah, I'm not judging. Mine are shorter, but not better. (laughs) And then we have the ending of the scene where Chloe asks the headmaster what was said. And then we get a cut to the precinct and we have our suspect in the interrogation room saying, I will kill you as a direct answer to her question. Elegant as usual. I have only one note for this scene, which is that sweet couple did not kill Debbie. Shame on whoever is framing them. 
They are so cute! They are very cute. However, they're very stereotypical gay couple on television. Most stereotypical thing about them is the whole, basically your kindergarten is deciding if your child is going to be successful in life. So I focused more on that. Oh, yeah. That is my only an entire note on this scene. But they are, if you look at them, like one of them is the sweet whatever and the other one is the angry whatever. You know, it's trope that they use very often. I'm not a massive fan of it. But, you know, it's not offending me. If it's offending somebody who would feel that this is supposed to be a representation of them, that is a different story. And I don't know that I do not have that view. I feel since they are not framed in a negative setting, I'm more tolerant of that trope. Yeah, but still, it doesn't need to be negative. Still a trope that I am not a massive fan of. Full agreement there, but had they ended up as the psychopathic killer of Debbie or something, then boy, would I be angry here. My bigger issue with this scene is the whole educational system in America. I do not understand why is it so elitist and why is it so... It's not even competitive. In order to have a decent chance to get into a good university, you have to go to specific private schools that are usually very expensive. And I do not understand how is that possible. Education should be available to everybody. It should not matter how much money you have. And I know that it's America. I'm not saying this is the episode's issue. I am saying this is American issue. Not just America. There's enough other countries where education also isn't available to everyone. But yeah, that should be it. But I'm pretty sure because we're saying that there are gonna be people calling us socialists. But with this scene done and dusted, and I'm sorry for this, most of this is gonna get into cuts anyway, I have a little fun fact for you, which got even better since you told me that one of the co-writers of this episode co-wrote Pops, because we actually now are moving over to Lux and we have a song playing and the song is called Lockdown not Lockdown, Lockdown and it's by Cold War Kids which is a repeat artist from the episode Pops we had the song Thunderhearts in season 1 episode 10 Pops wow that is nice that's so interesting I did not think that that would be connected that way I did wonder, that's why I looked it up but it is playing Do you remember the closing scene where Chloe gets shit-faced and comes up to the penthouse, falls asleep in Lucifer's arms, and this is the song that's playing? Nice. It's the same band. So what is the band called again? Cold War Kids. Cold War Kids, probably Mike, the writer, fan of the band, I would say. Possibly. So if we ever meet him, we're gonna tell him, hey, fan of the band, yay. Love the band, man. Pretty much. No, I like that. I really, really like that. Hashtag teamwork. You saw the connection with the music and I have the connection with the writing. But you know what I like best about the scene? Lucifer stole the fucking children's book. It's perfection. It's so Lucifer. I love it. I love it so much. We have a situation where Lucifer gets approached by three women that look nothing like Chloe, in my opinion, and just pretend to be detectives. They look like Chloe because they are all blonde. That's it. That's all that mom sees. I did not see that. However, after this whole escapade reveals mom being there, Lucifer says, 
triple decker. He calls them triple decker, which since he does have a name for it, I know that he is pretty good at improvising these things, but this kind of feels like he has done such a thing before. So he already has a name for it. It's just a foursome. No, it's a triple decker, like a Chloe decker. I did not make that connection for me. A triple decker is simply one more than a double decker, which is, you know what a double decker is? Well, I I know what double decker is in food. Yeah, exactly. And a triple is simply one more. I did not make a connection with Chloe, which is kind of obvious now that you point it out. I think it's a genius name. But that's a really good question, because Triple Decker is a thing, even without Chloe being named Decker as a surname. Is it a sexual thing, or is it just a food thing? No, Triple Decker simply is when you have, like, three... It's a normal thing, but you are Barry correct that duh chloe's surname is decker and is this the third or the fourth time that i'm missing something that obvious it's only third time it's fine oh boy i just find it like a genius name and my head canon now is that he is calling it triple decker because he has had a triple decker before with three women that were similar to chloe Yes, because this is his way of releasing his emotions when he can come. Oh, no, 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 no. A foursome isn't an emotion. He says so. That's what I wrote down. He's right. He is very right, yeah. But I can see him fulfilling a fantasy to get three lookalikes and call it a triple decker. Do you really think Lucifer would be that indulgent when it comes to Chloe? I feel like he put her on a type of pedestal, so I can't really see him indulge in that. I feel like since it's not her specifically there, I can see that happening. If he ever does that and Chloe walks in on it... That would be so funny. She's gonna cut off his fucking dick. I would be amused. Speaking of curious, you know what else makes me curious? Why is mom in such a rush? I did have the same question. What is the ulterior motive, mother? See, I did not expect an ulterior motive, but I was sure she's hiding shit. I pretty much just said that I don't believe that she wants to see her family that urgently. So why in such rush? Why the haste? And of course, the closing statement by Lucifer, I need a child, is... Ah, Lucifer. Also, see if you can learn a few things, leaving her with the book is very good. Burn, burn, burn. And then we have a little thing which I noticed watching this, because this made me remember the reveal at the end of the episode, where at the end of this scene, mom is clutching her bracelet tightly. In this moment I remember that there is an issue with the vessel which gets revealed and I wasn't sure if I would want to write it down as a note because I wasn't sure if that was going to be revealed in this episode but it was so here you go that's my note. I did not notice and I had utterly forgotten that we already have the leaky vessel. Well you say already but we are three episodes away from the end of the season. I keep forgetting that. I feel like there's still so much that's gonna happen in this season. And I think I might be mixing up some stuff in my brain. So I'm very, very curious. Yes. 
So yeah, we have this whole package of stuff in the scene. And we can now try to see how is Lucifer gonna get a child? Which for me was extremely obvious when he says, I need a child. There was only one option. I wasn't sure what he meant by that. We go over to Chloe and Maze's place. And did Lucifer magic his way in? Or is Chloe still incapable of locking her front door? Why not both? Well, if she did not lock the door, he didn't have to magic his way in. Yes, but... But wouldn't she notice him walking in because she turns around and he's standing pretty much in the middle of the apartment. Because he walks so silently. That's why she says I'm gonna put a bell on you. Well, does he walk silently or does he magic his way through shit? Ah, now I get you. Well, I'm gonna keep blaming Chloe that she's not locking her door because otherwise she should be asking how the fuck did you get in? Yeah, true. And Chloe has one of her gut feelings. Which, as usual, are right. Thank you, Chloe, for being smart and listening to your intuition. She's not wrong. It is not adding up. The fingerprints and everything. We actually completely missed the fact that at some stage they say that they found the murder weapon in the gay couple's pool house or something like that. So we completely glazed over that. Because it's so utterly irrelevant. For it to make sense, there were no fingerprints on the fat knife, but there was still blood on the fat knife. That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you wipe the entire thing off? And why would you keep it in your pool house? It's just, I am very much on board with her not feeling confident about this arrest. She's not buying it. And then, of course, we have the whole, Trixie, why you're not dressed yet? I can't drive you to school. And Lucifer to the rescue. So surprising, Lucifer offers to drive Trixie. Completely gracious of him with no ulterior motives or anything. And I love how he goes with sugar plum fairy because he definitely was meaning to say something not nice, but probably figured if he says something evil or mean, then Chloe is gonna say no. I caught something. Yay. Yay. Which brings us to the next scene, which I called that car, I swear to fucking God. With the Fellini sign. With the Fellini sign. I'm never gonna let that rest. Listen, I still constantly forget that it is not Fellini. Seriously? Like, my brain always goes to phallic, and that makes sense. Dear listeners, if you have not listened to our very first episode, go back and listen to it. The vanity plate on Lucifer's car says Fallen one. I know. Vero did not know that and it was very entertaining when I explained it to her in our very first episode. However, if you want to see Lina choke up on something, <laughs> you can go back just a few episodes to Marlot, but you can even go back in this episode <laughs> by about 10 minutes and see what triple decker. That's going to be in the extras. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to make a transition without keeping at least some of it in. Lucky you. We'll see. Okay. That car the Fallini car is just so good. We do get a song called Cowboy by Leopold and his fiction. Why cowboy? That makes no sense. No, because he doesn't obey by a law. And a cowboy does not follow the laws? You know, back in the wild, wild west, they would be the ones who would shoot in midday in the high sun. How it's, I don't know the names in English. High noon. High noon, yes. Midday, that's what I say. That would duel at high noon when the clock tower struck 12. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, cowboy, I getcha. He did say that he would bring her to school, but not which one. So he's the best kind of correct, which is technically correct. <laughs> 
technically correct is the best type of correct. I think that's my new catchphrase. You don't know that? No. Oh, girl. How old are you again? Too old. No. Not old enough? Apparently, not old enough to have spent enough time on the interwebs. Yeah, I don't spend that much time on the interwebs. I'm starting to notice. Why are we friends? Because we met in person. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> this is genuinely the only reason why we're friends. We would never be friends if we didn't meet in person and we only knew each other online. Yeah, that would not have worked. I think we would have hated each other. Yeah. Trixie, of course, is her usual brilliant, beautiful self. Ah, oh, so good. And I love that she knows about the plan and she agrees to the plan. That Lucifer is very forthcoming with her. And that she's lying for him. Yeah, that's another thing that I have. He is not lying, yes, but he is making Trixie to lie. He's letting her lie. Well, he's asking her to lie. I don't know if he actually asked her. He's just putting her in a position. But I love it, Trixie Morningstar. I'm here for it. Can she just change her name? That would be so cool. And also when they walk through the school and he tries to get his hand out of her grip and she refuses to let go. Mm. She's a smart girl. She knows this is an opportunity you do not pass. Do you want us to sell it or not? She knows how to con someone. And she's only eight years old. She is so good. We will see her do big things yet. I am sure of that. So of course we cut over to Chloe and Dan also being there talking to the headmaster who they call assistant dean which made no sense to me and of course this is where the entire thing implodes. That was 100% gonna happen and I have saw this coming from the very moment that they pull up at the school. But it's very well done. I appreciate Kevin having a chance to act. It's nice to see him doing more than his usual just the background background shit and then we we switch back over and we are in this talking circle thingy with therapy child therapy I don't think they called it therapy, right? Yeah, they probably just called it some kind of a new age bullshit. Since PE also isn't PE, but wellness and movement. So we're there and I do not understand the concept that the teacher and her own child can be in the same class. I don't think that's actually an option in Germany. I don't think you can teach your own child. That was like, really? Your kid is in your class? Well, it's not really a class class, so maybe it's okay, whatever. And even though it was kind of obvious for me I really like the feeling in this part of the scene when Trixie starts speaking truthful and Chloe is walking up and she's overhearing it and she's not intervening she's just listening both the acting and the delivery by Trixie's actress and Chloe's face is really well done yeah I'm really glad that Trixie does get the opportunity to talk about her feelings and the fact that Lucifer gives her respect for it and the fact that he now he calls her clever and he says welcome to the club which is the first time he has said anything positive to or about Trixie yeah I feel like he knew that she's a smart kid because of their interactions and that she's special she is different than other kids and I think that he knew that otherwise he would never have chosen her for this mission 
And it's really sad Chloe's timing. Like she walks in there and she hears Trixie talks about the whole I'm sad because I worry for my mom. And it's just, I don't know, it's something that you don't want to hear from your own child, I suppose, is that they have any kind of a worry. Especially the pretending part. Also that, yeah. So situation, very sad, very emotional. But at least now she knows. But now she knows and we get a little lead. Lucifer solved the case by accident or so he thinks. Well, I was convinced that he did. Yeah, me too. But later on, of course, we learn. Yeah, this is literally the same way as he solves cases on daily basis. Exactly. We're back at the very classic formula. So, duh, of course, Lucifer just solved the case. It's how he works. Well done, writers, to mislead us like this. Yeah. And so we get the picture and yay, we go outside to school and Chloe has this interaction with Trixie where they talk and I know I've said it before and I'm gonna probably repeat myself times and times again Chloe is such a competent mother and I'm extremely happy that they wrote her like this this is a point that I have raised later in the episode as well in my notes but yes in here I agree and we get the little nods to the fact that everybody wants to drive the Fellini car you're just gonna keep calling it the Fellini car yes you made me do it and of course we get the title drop and we get the title drop so this is a good little scene outside did you you notice that he said driving lessons are gonna have to wait until your mom isn't watching so does that mean after they're out of sight he changed places with Trixie I would not be surprised <laughs> they drive off and then we are in an underground garage which I assume is below Lux that would make sense yeah this is the first time we've been down there right and I did not see it coming that it was going to be mom. So when he gets punched and it hurts and everything, I was like, huh? is Chloe somewhere here? Is she waiting for him or something? And then, oh, duh, it's mom. Okay, now I get it. Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. No, Lena, it's mumger. <laughs> Mugger? Mum? Mumger. These are my notes on this scene. It's not funny when you explain a joke. She is giving me a sting eye. I'm sorry. I'm just repeating what you told me earlier. I know. I wasn't explaining my joke. I was just reading out my notes. Your notes are explaining your joke. But you hated the joke anyway, so... I hate puns with a passion. All my friends can tell you that. <laughs> You use puns against me all the time. Yeah, because I'm turning your own weapons against you. Because it's hilarious. No. And when you suffer because you hate my puns... I hate some of your puns. You get to feel a sliver of my pain. Aww. I feel every single time anyone makes a pun. Which is also the reason why I didn't get shit like Marlet. That's not a pun though. He didn't mean to say Marlet. He was gonna say mum and halfway through the word he had to change his mind. Same thing for me. Ugh, okay. I think Mumger is great. So this scene also once more shows us that mom is hiding something and because it's mom I think we can be sure and agree it's nothing good. Yep. That's all I have in here. I didn't get much else except for my genuine question of what the fuck is happening. So we go back to the precinct. We learn that sadly Lucifer did not solve the case. That is a shame. We learn that the mom has had an affair with the teacher. That is not surprising. How, how does she put it? He 
he's not smart, but that man can move. He's a dumb as a box of hair, but he can move. My experience doesn't work that well. You want someone with brains, at least some brains. You need some brains to be creative and creativity in a bedroom is very important. So just putting that out there. And also we get a Wizard of Oz reference with the Wicked Witch. Oh yeah, I didn't write that down. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on this scene because this starts with Chloe getting an email from the school being interested in Trixie. Oh, right. Which introduces us to another side plot of this episode where Chloe is going to try to get Trixie to open up and trying to figure out what is best for her child while making sure that her child has a say, which is something, again, Chloe is a really good mom and it's something that I understand I can get behind. I love the unconditional support by Chloe towards Trixie. That was the only thing I kind of wanted to point out at the moment when she gets the email and talks about it i did not read it in any shape way or form as positive and anything it ends up being exactly what you describe but in that moment for me it was the oh a prestigious school is interested in my daughter and it would open so many doors and da 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 da, da. and i was like really if Trixie ends up at that school, I'm gonna hate it. And so even though I come around on this plot line in the end, I hated this part. But I agree with everything you said, only not in this moment, but at the end. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> and then my notes went into yet another tangent about American education, so we can skip that. <laughs> You know what we need? We need like a, a sound effect every time we cut out a tangent so the normal listeners know how much shit they're missing. Moving on, we are back in the apartment and I have exactly one note. Mace really is trying and I love it and it's so sweet. Yeah, I also have one note. Mace is trying to help. This is so funny how she <laughs> fails to human. But it's so sweet though. It is. We move on to Starford where I also have one note. Mace is best. I adore her. It's brilliant that she feels at home and that she sees right through all these superficial horrible people. Two scenes, two notes, two times. Mace is amazing. I have called this scene Clay's is back together. I love them as a couple, yeah. And then I have a Mace quote. They are miserable and waiting to tear each other apart. Reminds me of home. I love it. Which is also everything that I have on this scene. So we can move on to Lux with a song. We're upstairs in the penthouse. We have a couple of shots of the Lux dancing people in Lux. And we have a song by Big Scary called Double Darkness as we go to see what in the hell is Ames doing when Lucifer walks into the penthouse. And as Lena already suggested with her movement, we have Emmanuel doing questionable things on the couch and Lucifer walking in on him. And obviously, as it turns out, because this is Fox, we are not watching this on Netflix, there is no nudity or nothing nasty happening. Emmanuel is jealous and he's trying to make the blade work himself in a weird manner. I was very much reminded of the Buffy gif where she mimes 
the staking. Oh, yeah. I've seen that gif. You've sent it to me numerous of times. Exactly. That was instantly what I thought of. It's like, okay, yay, masturbation jokes. Why not? But this scene actually annoyed me because Ames is back to his whining. And I'm so over it. Seriously, I liked him so much in the mid-season finale where he is this standing tree and he's reliable and I really liked him in that episode and he didn't do anything to annoy me in the last episode and now he's back to his complainy whiny shit and I'm fully aware that I'm being complainy and whiny about him being complainy and whiny and I'm gonna stop now. I think that we need to see Amenadiel being jealous of Lucifer's position with mom. Because this is something what he's been thriving for. He's been trying to get into mom's good graces and he's been trying to be loved. And before that, he was trying to do that with his dad. Yeah, and both like Lucifer better than him. Boo fucking who? Because he is trying too hard. He is trying to be the best one. Instead of himself. Yes, exactly. And they will always go back to Lucifer because Lucifer is being himself as you really well worded so I think that we needed to see Ames going through this emotion yet again and having this fight with Lucifer in order for the last scene to work let's talk about this in the last scene so I am fine with this happening and I did not realize that it was mainly jealousy from Emmanuel before this scene it just made absolute sense to me Lucifer is however asking the correct questions why is mom so on edge as we have asked ourselves and now I get a suggestion to my question from the beginning of the episode a suggestion of an answer because they don't spell it out yet why is Lucifer helping mom to light the sword And that is Lucifer blowing up into Emmanuel's face, saying that he can't wait for Mother to get her wish. Which suggests that there is... A difference between her wish and his wish? Yes, that there is a hidden meaning to Lucifer's actions. And I agree completely with you. I did not take any notes on that, but I 100% agree with you. We go back to Starford. And oh my fucking god. I love the plan. I love Mace. How she executes it. Starts the gossip. Oh, um, fucking G. This episode. Mace. Ugh. Number one character. I really love the beginning of the scene. Where Mace is incredibly intense when she's sharing the gossip. But she's so good. It's very good. She's selling the shit out of it. It's very fitting for the situation and for the person that she's talking to but I find it hilarious that if she had done it to a normal person in this intense way they would just look at her and they would probably just go like what? It was brilliantly done and plot twist that I did not expect the therapist from the library is trying to get into Chloe's car. I did not expect Lucifer to show up open the fucking car for her. I mean, why would he suspect anything? As far as he knew, they still had the killer. He has a copy of Chloe's car key. I did not see that coming and I was like, it makes perfect sense. What I was waiting for and was surprised actually it took that long was for Mace to come flying 
in from out of screen to knock out the teacher. I was waiting for it from the second it started. And then we have the whole, the dumpy teacher is the father. No easy fix for Lucifer. Yaddy, 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 blah. And then finally, Mace comes flying in. I think that we had to have Chloe diffuse the situation before Mace took her down. Because that just made it ten times more funny. I think Chloe's plan was genius. For one, getting the teacher out. But the way that she diffuses the situation by reminding the therapist that she is also a mother and that she met her child. Because we know that this woman is extremely sensitive and she knows children and she is not a mom killer, if you know what I mean. She's not an inherently bad person. Yes, so if you put her in a situation when she realizes the context of what she might do, she will not do it. Yep, she is a very good cop and this is one of the positive things in this episode. They write her very competent and I'm always there for that. And speaking of Chloe's competence, we get to move on to the next scene. And I say it for the third time this episode, Chloe is such a great mom. This is the moment where I actually have written it down and put my emphasis on this fact because it's just such a nice scene where we see Trixie and Chloe's dynamic together where we get Chloe being absolutely amazing and giving her child everything that she ever desires but it still feels realistic it doesn't feel over the top she is listening to her daughter she is giving her the space to talk about it she's letting her decide but she's still giving her enough facts and information that she can make a positive and constructive decision. She's not just letting her run wild. Yeah, and she's not inserting her own opinion into the facts, which I think is... The most important thing. A big thing in a parent-child relationship because you need to let your child learn through their own mistakes. You can live by example, but you cannot insert your own desires and wishes into your children. And we have talked about this at length in season one. And in one of the bonus parts, there is this beautiful poem. You do not own your children. They live in the house of tomorrow that you cannot enter. Not even in your dreams. But it's the only thing I have to say for this scene. Yeah, it's a really nice scene. We go back to therapy and Lucifer shares his plan with Linda and thus with us. And I really have to say, I love this plan. I fully agree with Lucifer. It feels just. And I'm always here for just. I have one issue with it and that is that Lucifer is not thinking about consequences in a sense of what's gonna happen if the beings that created us are not around anymore. Why would there be consequences? We don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. That's true. So also in the therapy session we learn it is not anger that is the fueling emotion. It's apparently pain. Lucifer needs to let the pain happen. I have a, not a direct quote, but the whole thought, I hate how correct Linda is. When you think about it, they are the things that ruin us the most. The things that we stop ourselves from saying or thinking or feeling. The things that we refuse to work through. We're trying to find our way around it so we don't have to deal with it. Those are the things that we need to inherently deal with the most. Exactly. It's always gonna bite you in the butt. Yeah, and I hate it. You can only ignore shit so long 
long and you can only shove it down a certain amount of times. At some point, it's gonna fuck you over. Yes. And when Linda tells him and when he realizes that she's right, he's gonna have to give it a go. We move on to the penthouse. You know the meme, I'm in this picture and I don't like it? Yes. Everyone during this scene. Final scene, penthouse. And I know we say it repeatedly and I know you already said it this episode. It's my first note as well. Fucking Tom Ellis acting chops. He breaks my fucking heart. And as we know, I like the pain. So thank you, Tom Ellis. When we watch Lucifer's face in this scene, when he's lighting up the sword, it hurts. It genuinely hurts. Yes. And big positive thing about the scene, which is tied up to what we have mentioned very briefly in the previous scene with Emanadil in the penthouse, is that Ames sees Lucifer's face and he suddenly knows what's happening and even though Lucifer purposefully turns his back on them to do this because he does not feel comfortable showing this to his family which is horrible by the way but also not surprising it's not surprising but it's it's horrifying that you have to hide something like that from your family in general and regardless of him turning away Ames does walk around and he sees his face and the brotherly love that you can feel from that scene where mother decides to attack Lucifer all over again and try to make him do it again and Amenadiel is suddenly the big brother who's taking care of his little one. Amenadiel genuinely cares and mom once again is showing very little regard for anyone beside herself. That being said, mom does remove herself from the situation. After attacking Lucifer, she realizes that she she's done fucked up. For me, she rather realized that it doesn't change anything at the moment. To me, it was a little bit more emotionally invested and to me, this meant that maybe there was a little bit of a change in her approach and behavior since her trip to hell. You always believe in the best in people. That is true. Don't tell anybody. It's on record. Don't tell anybody, listeners. She removes herself. She goes into the elevator. And this is the most ridiculous part of the entire episode. She has a fucking band-aid contain the heavenly light or whatever? A fucking band-aid. Is it a magical band-aid? Well, we don't know what is happening precisely. There is light coming out of her body and she can put a fucking band-aid on it and stop the light from coming out. If a fucking band-aid can contain it, well, turn into the fucking mummy then. Wrap your body up, wear a fucking latex suit. Okay, so do you think that if the band-aid would have actually contained the light she would be in such a hurry it sure seemed like the bandaid was able to keep the light in i see it as a temporary solution i say if a bandaid can even temporarily keep that shit contained that is shining out of her girl borrow some clothes from maze or fedware or whatever put yourself in a full-on body zentai made of latex or neoprene or whatever tell your children and take out the haste i do not agree with you on this I take a lot of issue with this because the scene up to this moment is extremely emotional and amazing and well done. And this completely took me out. This broke my suspense of disbelief or whatever it's called. And that made me really angry. (laughs) So I'm probably overreacting. I have never seen you overreact before, so I don't think that's the case. As if. But yeah, that's all I have. That's my final note. I don't 
see this as such an issue, but I can see where you're coming from. However, if you want to share your final thoughts with us, I'd be happy to hear the two of them. My shortest final thoughts in the history of TOT? Sure. While not a bad episode, it also didn't wow me. It had its moments, especially with Mace, and we do get some interesting insight for the meta plot. Like Lucifer planning on locking in Mom into heaven and whatever. Like the plan. But all in all, just okay. Sorry for being underwhelming. <laughs> we do get a meta plot development and emotional development for Lucifer. We've talked about this just now. Last scene, I think, is so amazing. And then Linda is being extremely amazing. And Mace is being extremely supportive and funny. And Trixie is being an absolute treasure. So it's extremely strong episode for them. I could use a little bit more of Dan and Ella. But since they're not directly involved in the main plot currently, I understand that when we have a meta plot heavy episode, we can't really get them in. So all in all, I enjoyed this episode, but it's not unforgettable to me. For some reason, it is less than the sum of its parts. Because its parts are all great when you just counted it down. All of this listed out sounds amazing. And for some reason, this episode is less than the sum of its parts. It's not mind-blowing, which I think is a shame. So with us in agreement about the outcome of this episode, thank you everybody for listening. And if you do want to keep in touch with us, you can join us on our social media, on our Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. Just type in the Apple of Truth and you will find us there. If you want to tell us some more things, please send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. Our summoning episode for season two is coming up fairly soon. So please, please, please send us feedback so we can have something to gush about and chat about. Other ways of getting involved with us on a more direct and personal level is, of course, becoming one of the amazing patrons over at patreon.com. If you want, you can give us tiny amounts of money per month and receive wonderful special benefits. There are two levels at the moment. Head on over to Patreon patreon.com slash t-a-o-t podcast you cannot search for it because we're marked explicit see the benefits and if you want support us directly there and become a member of our beautiful community another thing that we really really appreciate if you do not want or can't support us on patreon is reviews reviews especially on itunes help podcasts reach more people so if you can and want to write us a review we would very very much appreciate it and if you also don't want to do that or if you can't do that at least please annoy all your friends and make them listen to us thank you bye bye, bye.